Yeah, um, so I'm alive, which is wicked. That is very wicked. I'm doing well, actually. And uh, we've been talking a lot about what's been going on and thought that it would be weird if we didn't address it in the podcast and immediately following what has been, for me, the most surreal week of my internet life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I... Having kids is pretty surreal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and for folks who may be listening who don't know what we're talking about, I don't understand how that's possible, <laughs> but, uh, you know, at the beginning of the week when this all started to erupt, I suggested that we talk about it almost uh, jokingly because I didn't expect what we were going to explain that has happened to get as big as it did and then it became you know like obviously we're going to talk about this and so maybe we should start with an explanation of what happened and I think you're probably the best between the two of us to explain what happened and I I can give a a little bit of um, synopsis from from my perspective because I got some uh, a little bit on the side to what you Mm -hmm. got so Mm -hmm. go ahead well the the short version is uh Sarah Palin retweeted me this week. <laughs> I, all I can do is laugh at it because it's so absurd. Everything about this is absurd. Yeah. On Friday afternoon, when the news broke that there was a that there was an accident in northern Saskatchewan or northeastern Saskatchewan, I, like everyone else, was shocked and horrified. Uh, also, because I really dislike cars and road accidents are something that I just find so desperately tragic. That, uh, you know, I was on Twitter and I was tweeting it and I, I, I watched um, the press conference, although there was no sound because of where I was. Um, but so I'd been following the news. And so when Sunday night came along, I'm folding laundry. It's like, you know, we're about to start a new week. And I saw that the GoFundMe for the victims, families and the survivors of the Humboldt Broncos crash uh, reached $4 million on Sunday night. And mm-hmm. I, I posted four tweets and the tweet said that that's a lot of money, that, uh, of course, the whiteness, the maleness, the age of the victims play a role in why so much money has been raised. Mm-hmm. And that I wish that that was the kind of support that we would see with other accidents. And I was specifically struck by by the fact that in Ontario, like at the, at the time that I wrote it, there was 15 victims. Uh, of course, there's a 16th now. Um, but, but when I wrote it, the number 15 has been sticking in my mind. You know, you've got 14 is in your mind when you think of Ecole Polytechnique, the 14 women who were killed and 15, uh, women and their children and one brother have been killed in, in Southern Ontario this year alone from, um, ex partners or domestic violence or stalkers, like however you want to talk about that. Yeah. And so I, I posted these things saying, what I just said that I I wish that that kind of support and and and, uh, and sympathy would pour out for these kinds of other acts, and right away, which if I could just interact interject, on the weekend, uh, my brother and I had that conversation. I had that conversation with several friends. I had that conversation with several comrades who I organized with. I had that conversation with several other students uh, that go to the University of Toronto where I go. So. This wasn't like an outrageous statement that you made. It was something that uh, certainly in my world, several people uh, were talking about already. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And a lot of people have said that to me too. Like, you know, I, I, I'm a writer that focuses on systemic oppression. And so it's, it shouldn't really surprise anyone that that's one of the reactions that would come after grief, horror, and, uh, and, and expressions of, 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 of sadness for the tragedy. And one of the things that I don't know if people really appreciate is it's like when you're talking about individual tragedy, you can't compare it. You can't compare one family's tragedy to another family's tragedy because the experience of, of, of grief is, is personal and it's incomparable. But you can compare how society reacts. You can mm-hmm. step back and say society... Uh, m- demanded this political change, right? The gun, the gun discussion in the United States is a really good example of that. Uh, does something come out of these kinds of tragedies? Uh, the um, after the, the the shooting in Ecole Polytechnique, feminists had to fight to make sure that that was remembered as an anti-feminist act because there's a lot of people who were uh, arguing that it was just a crazy guy who happened to kill a bunch of women. And so, uh, and so that's the headspace that I'm in at that moment. Um, you know, $4 million for 29 uh, victims, 15, 16 now who've been, who are dead and, and the rest who are, you know. Sorry, I just want to also say another example is, of course, the killing of black people, often by the state, and how that grief is enveloped in people trying to get both support for families who are grieving and political change as another example mm-hmm. to what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Or or all of the, 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 the deaths that have occurred in uh, border services in Canada, where we don't even know in a lot of cases the circumstances or the names attached mm-hmm. to these folks who are being held simply because they're trying to, to come to Canada and access a new life, a, a better life. Mm-hmm. And and so these are these are the things that are in my head, and I write this thing. And I instantly get a response from someone who uh, puts my messages into the three hashtags for remembering remembering the the tragedy. And uh, and I responded immediately to this person, and I was like, uh, "What the hell are you doing? Like, this is not a message to the victims' families. In fact, giving this message to the victims' families is fucked up. Like." This is this is a message for people who I interact with on Twitter and who interact with me on Twitter about these issues. And uh, what are you doing? Like, why are you trying to make this into something that it's not? Mm-hmm. And it kind of died down uh, for 24 hours. There wasn't much uh, interaction until I got a message uh, from outlaw Tory Patrick Ross, who anybody who kind of watches the right wing on Twitter will know. And uh, and he said something like, uh, you know, you're going to regret or something to the effect of that viral treat tweet that you posted. And I was making supper and I had my kids running around my ankles and I, I was like, what viral tweet are you talking about? Like I, I posted something on Sunday night that had like maybe 20 likes uh, and like a discussion about road safety that ensued because uh, that was actually what we were talking about initially after the politics of, of road safety and how road accidents are just considered part of life in Canada. And uh, and I realized that, that was really a warning that that this was going to be put into the hands of every conservative shithead columnist in this country, from Anthony Fury to Lori Goldstein to Alex Pearson to Faith Fucking Goldie to uh, like I don't know. I'm sure I'm missing. Uh, Warmington was one of the first ones uh, response uh, to Outlaw Tory, and that was just from there. It just kind of it just spiraled. So. You know, in one tweet, you have the intersection of every Canadian myth that that, that we have, uh, maybe with the exception of, like, I didn't mention Tim Hortons. 
uh, even though there was a Tim Hortons selling uh, donuts uh, in memory of Helmholtz and was pocketing the money. They didn't get the kind of hate that I, I got, but, you know, whatever. That's maybe for another podcast. And um, and from there, it, uh, it, 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 it exploded. It went gangbusters. And over the next four days, I had um, almost 30 million Twitter impressions and thousands thousands of messages i I would it's it's probably tens of thousands like it is so many messages and responses to the point where if you go now to any one of my tweets there's anywhere between 50 and 300 people telling me what you know whatever anything from i'm 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 horrible to like you know actual threats to a lot of glorification of white supremacy. So that's also something to talk about. It. And so that's been the trajectory of my week. It got worse on Thursday, where Thursday alone there was 8 million engagements on Twitter. But I've also gotten I've also gotten phone calls. Um, I've gotten emails to a whole bunch of different email accounts. Um, anybody who's even peripherally viewed as being my employer, whether or not they are, have been uh, roped into this. Uh, I've gotten a lot of calls telling me to fire myself. And... Um, I've just kind of been hunkered down. Like I, I made the decision early in the week that I wouldn't talk to the media about this because I never wanted to, and I maintain that this should not have been about me or about what I said. Um, and unfortunately, by Friday afternoon, I was realizing that this has gone far bigger than me, um, and that I do actually need to talk about it because my words are being twisted, they're being misunderstood, they're being willfully obscured, and I'm just being used now as a reason for um, some pretty shitty elements of the internet to to kick around a new soccer ball. So that's that's my week. Yeah, and I think it's important to also state that you're not the only one being used. The, the tragedy in Humboldt is also being used as it, it's something that uh, really reprehensible people who tend to frequent certain subreddits that uh, may glorify anything from white supremacy to Jordan Peterson are exploiting this tragedy in order to lob hate out on the internet and mm-hmm. think that they can do it Uh, with some sort of legitimacy. Uh, This was also interesting for me to, like, watch and also be a part of because, of (laughs) course, I've experienced this before, having been uh, an organizer with Black Lives Matter Toronto. This is, you know, watching what was happening to you felt very similar to things um, that have happened to myself, other members of BLM um, during uh, Pride. And there are there's a lot of similarities there and there's a lot of differences. But um, for me watching it happen, you know, some of these people started to, you know, it, it became, you know, they started to to look for who was Nora's friend or acquaintance on Twitter, mm-hmm. on Facebook, and then start to attack every single one of us, wanting us to somehow denounce you, really wanting you mm-hmm. to feel in a particular way. It wasn't about, I don't know, getting some sort of apology or supporting the families who had been through this terrible tragedy. It was about making sure that you felt alone, without 
without support, threatened, boxed in, scared. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure, but I got many a private message asking me to no longer do a podcast with you, to do it alone. I got some messages that were like, I actually listened to your podcast. People who I'm sure did not. Like, I've never heard of these people before. It would be like a fake uh, email address. Like, that would be like fucknora at at gmail.com or a a Facebook account that didn't really exist. That would be like, oh, okay, I listened to your podcast. I think it's great. I think it would be better with you alone. Nora is a terrible person. Please denounce her. There were people who were like, okay, she's never going to denounce her. So started roping me into the response as well. I, I don't know what your phone was like this week, Nora, but I was like, this is outrageous. And my, my battery wouldn't stay on because it would just like my battery kept expiring after an hour because I kept getting these messages and I wasn't getting thousands like you were. But this felt very similar to Pride for me. It wasn't as bad as when BLM did an action at Pride that angered similarly several people, several people, thousands of people Mm -hmm. who wouldn't stop sending hate mail. So it, it was not as bad for me as at that time, but it felt that way for me. And um, and then there was like another strange sect of of people who had assumed that we were romantic partners. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 (laughs) And uh, I was getting a lot of messages about um, like, you know, some that were just homophobic and then others that were like, how could you choose such a terrible person uh, to be your partner? (laughs) She's a terrible person. And the other thing that I was getting a lot of were uh, messages with the N-word in it, uh, messages about Trayvon Martin, um, uh, really offensive messages about Trayvon Martin. Um, I was getting uh, messages about uh, Andrew Loku. I was getting messages about um, all sorts of people that uh, Black Lives Matter have advocated for in the past. And you would think (laughs) that that has nothing to do with this. But of course... It has everything to do with this because this isn't actually about what so many people have hidden behind in order to lob these hateful messages towards Nora and uh, people who are associated mm-hmm. with Nora. It's about all all sorts of other things. It's about violence against women. It's about the organization of of the right on on the internet, but not just the right, like the heinous right, like I don't know, you know, like uh, white supremacists, neo Nazis, literal neo Nazis. Nora was being um, called a Jew a lot in these messages, like uh, this, you know, you're such a terrible Jew or whatever, like all this really anti Semitic shit. And to the point where if you search Nora on Twitter, if you type in the, the words Nora Loretto, the autocorrect um, in the drop down menu will say Jew right afterwards, because I suppose that that's what a lot of people have been searching. Hmm. And so, again, this isn't about what people are saying it's about, and it's extremely offensive to the people the families who've experienced the community who've experienced this tragedy to say that it is so there's several things that we need to talk about i think in this podcast it's like i I don't even know how we're going to keep it to the regular time because (laughs) you know we got to talk about the organization of the heinous right we got to talk about violence against women we have to talk about also you know the hierarchy of grief because that's Mm -hmm. a real thing thing (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, i feel like i'm babbling on now but there's just so much that's a part of this that has taken up our entire week and uh 
So I don't know, Nora, where do we start? Well, I want to actually just like dispose of the first and most obvious criticism, which is that my the problem was the way I framed it and the timing. And I think that that we can have a conversation about that later. That those are debatable. You know, the timing was related to the the fundraiser hitting $4 million. Should I w- wait it until it hit $10 million? Like I I don't really think that that's the issue. Timing is also a strange issue to talk about when there was already a family who died at the same intersection 20 years ago. So obviously this has been an ongoing issue. We are trained in Canada to not talk about things that are difficult when we're grieving unless the persons that we're grieving matter less. And so what I mean by that is in um, in Ontario, uh, when 11 migrant workers were killed in a bus accident uh, in 2012, and three survivors of that crash had to fight to not be deported. Like, we're not talking about them getting hundreds and thousands of dollars fundraised for them. They had to fight to not be deported. I don't know if we even need to get into that in this in this discussion because the scale of what has happened. Like, had I said something offensive let's say had I said something that dehumanized the victims I still wouldn't deserve what I'm getting Mm -hmm. and that is so critical to say so not only Mm -hmm. did I of course not do that but even had I done that no one deserves to go through what I have gone through this week Mm -hmm. because it has it has it has had the effect to try and 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 honest to God lead me to suicide Right. It has tried to ruin my career and it has tried to mm-hmm. put me into a place where I feel like my life can't continue. And if I didn't have the support and the strength of my family network and my friends network and employers that aren't pieces of shit like fuck you, McLean's magazine. Honestly, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I would survive. I don't know how I would have survived because it, it's like, you know, I can get called a cunt a thousand times and I probably have been in my life at some level that rolls off of you at some level all the threats to your family that rolls off of you at some level all of the people that are just consistently misunderstanding or misconstruing your words whether it's intentional or not intentional it rolls off of you the the fact that I can't actually use Twitter right now um, I can but I can't use it the way I'm used to using it so like I don't see anybody's replies almost at all right now Um, I can't use Facebook that normally the way I use it which is fine I can deal with that but I am so happy that it happened to me and to not not to someone else but it's going to happen to someone else next time and that's why I think that talking about these forces that make it happen and how and it's it- happened to someone else before I just I want to be clear of on course that. it has happened to other people who've not necessarily had the same support network that you do or the the, the same ability to withstand uh, what you're withstanding right now there's a pattern to this stuff There is a pattern to it. And like seeing what you're going through, it was, again, so familiar because there is a pattern to it. And it has happened to me before. It has happened to so many people who do social justice work, who are typically attacked by people on the right from the same subreddits, from the same message boards, from the same Facebook groups. They're not interested in this because they happen to Mm -hmm. be interested in it. They're interested in it for a political goal. There's a goal to stop Nora from talking. There's a goal to stop Black Lives Matter from talking. There's a goal to stop Idle No More from talking. 
because there is a broader goal to change what is acceptable in the broader public and to shift the broader public in a particular way. And if you make the people who are, whether courageously or not, like a lot of people have said, Nora, you're very courageous. I don't know if that's the case with this particular thing. I mean, it was a tweet about something that so many people have been talking about. I don't think that that was courageous, to be quite honest. It's not. Um, You said what you said, but they want to make that very normal thing that Nora said that so many other people have been saying for years beyond this, this particular issue unacceptable and unable to be said regardless of the timing exactly has nothing to do with it timing doesn't make someone call you a cunt over and over and threaten your family your children your job over and over and over again that is a political goal yeah and 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 of course uh people do die because of cyberbullying Right. And and 100%. and so we know that there are tactics that do work and that they're engaging in these tactics. And so I think that that is the, the, the place where we should talk about it. So why does Black Lives Matter get targeted like this online? Uh, <laughs> like break it down. Well, you know, people don't want us to exist. Uh, they don't want us to change the laws that we're changing. They don't want us to change the culture that we're changing. They don't want us to build the community that we're building to them. The change that we're seeking to make in in public life for black liberation, but also a change that would affect the way that every, everybody operates in life in order to bring about this amelioration of so many different things that we're talking about. But in addition to black liberation, it would it would change your life. It would change anybody who's listen, listening's life. It, it would mean that we'd have to think about things differently to people who um, thrive off a certain type of privilege who are uh, even beyond that. They may not even be privileged in a particular way. They might be at the bottom of the class hierarchy, but are, are so wedded to the, to the one piece of privilege that they have. Maybe it's their whiteness. Maybe it's their maleness. They don't want to give up the benefits that that provides them. And so what Black Lives Matter is calling for becomes threatening to them. And uh, that's something that they want to stop. It's also, I think, really important to mention that so many of the people who are organizers in Black Lives Matter and I Don't Know More and a lot of these movements that get this type of uh, this blowback um, and you are not men. The gender that they ascribe to is not men. And People need to understand that that has a very significant effect on the response. I want to focus on McLean's just for a, like a quick second. I don't ever want to actually focus on McLean's, like whatever. Right? But they did something extraordinary that Nora referenced uh, just a second ago. So not everybody, uh, maybe not everybody knows about this on who's listening, but I hope you do. I hope you've seen it because it's so, you know, extraordinary that they've done this people who were on the right who were organizing decided that they wanted to get Nora fired of course Nora's a freelancer so that's hard to do <laughs> she's not <laughs> you know employed in, in a traditional sense in the way that they thought she was by particular mm-hmm. uh, news outlets but they decide okay we're going to focus on McLean's 
We're going to call them as much as possible and we're going to get them to denounce her as part of their campaign to like, campaign against Nora to try to silence Nora. And they do this um, so much that somebody who was trolling me on my on my Facebook wall uh, said that when you call McLean's, there's like an, the person who's was answering the phone. Um, there was like a she had like a canned message of uh, no, Nora, Nora, Nora Loretto doesn't work here. But yes, we're working on trying to figure out how to respond. Um, and and they did. They put out a statement about someone who is not an employee in the typical sense. Did they contact you, Nora, before putting out this statement? No. No, they didn't. No, they never. No. There was no contact no. With, this, with Nora at all to say that this was something that they were going to do. And what did the statement say? The statement said that Nora didn't work here, there. It said that what Nora had written was inappropriate. It said that they would not be commenting on it further because they didn't want to um, distract from the tragedy or I don't know if that was the exact word but something like that mm-hmm. and uh, that they also didn't want to uh, contribute to the vitriol that Norm was getting online but of course <laughs> of course they were contributing to the vitriol that Norm was getting online this is not yeah. there have been several reprehensible things written in McLean's I will never forget that article that came out in like tw- 2004 Four, maybe 2005 2006 that was like outrageously islamophobic there was an, an article mm-hmm. written that was like talking about how universities and in particular the university of toronto was too asian there was like all these things <laughs> that uh, mclean's has published in the past that has been so bad and nora didn't even publish anything in mclean's about this she just simply wrote in in mclean's previously about something that i i don't even know about because i don't think i read it but so funny because actually what i was writing about was how a city deals with the aftermath of a tragedy very interesting actually maybe i should read that Um, it it was just like uh, sorry mclean's like i you i put together one of the best pieces of analysis on what happened in the aftermath of the mosque shooting in english Mm -hmm. there was excellent news but there wasn't very excellent analysis that was happening in english and i gave them that and they paid me peanuts and then oh She's too uh, radioactive for speaking truth in her private Twitter correspondence. And we're cowards and we don't know how to stand up to this mob. And so we were going to throw her under the bus so she can continue to do this by herself. It is out fucking rageous. And it is a message to every woman writer at, at McLean's and every woman freelancer that has ever been published in McLean's or person of color that they will be fucked by McLean's if they step out of line. Absolutely. It's extraordinary that McLean's would do that. Of course, what does that do to this mob of people who have been organized through, again, uh, a lot of these message boards and groups on in social media? They are elated of course they are they're like yes we're winning there's more to do like let's keep going folks i think what i saw was that people were like uh um on twitter because of course Nora's not looking at this stuff again she's changed the way that she engages with social media but i'm doing as much as i can to like monitor what's happening um along with several other people uh and so they they've decided that the walrus is the one that they want to focus on next so i imagine that the walrus 
shortly after uh, McLean's, uh, like they've you know decided that that was a victory and they've declared it a victory on all of these message boards on Twitter and so on. They've decided to move to the Walrus. Uh, they and they want to make sure, as they keep saying over and over, that Nora is unemployable and will never work again. Will mm-hmm. never work again. And they uh, again are saying this in the name of support for grieving families but that's not what this is at all Mm -hmm. no grieving family will benefit from Nora ever being or never being employed um, as a freelancer again that wouldn't that that's not that's not something that would happen it's also something that's being lobbed against me people are asking me where I work it's not as easy to find where I work I think, <laughs> as it is uh, for Nora because Nora does so much more freelance work than I do um, people haven't uh, said the same thing but people have asked me in my private messages and in Twitter where I do work because as someone who's associated with Nora specifically through this podcast uh, they're like if you won't denounce her we want to call your employers <laughs> it's just oh man McLean's like how have you allowed yourself to be so manipulated? Yeah, and pathetic. And one of the things that I'm, I, I what concerns me the most about McLean's reaction is that they are cowards and they're supposed to be journalists. They're supposed to be the ones that can see these connections or that can ask difficult questions like, you know, how is the money being spent or the questions about traffic or the questions about, privatization of public services like the first responders or air ambulance in Saskatchewan uh, that is actually supposed to be their job and and they don't do it um, that there's a there's a chill there's a reason why we uh, we we are afraid to say certain things I use that as the broad we because I'm I'm not actually really afraid of saying anything but th- and this allows us to not actually have a critical eye looking at what is happening and so when we say that this is an organized attack, it's like all it's like the structure is there, right? You've got all the Canadian myths. You have hockey culture. You have white supremacy. You have um, an, a, a comment that is that is too soon. That if you were to ask someone in a mall, would you say this a, a day and a half after a major accident? Someone's probably going to say no. Um, all of these forces work together to then be used as a cover, as you said, to organize people to take me down. Or to take anybody down, because this could happen. This could this can happen in any other kind of circumstance, and it is uh, it is fascinating how uh, how we don't really understand it. How like in the United States, it kind of gets talked about like oh, there's Russian bots or whatever, or uh, or it's been downplayed like oh yeah, it's been some harassment. And it's like I don't even know what to say at this point because I've I've explained this. Like I started trying to respond to people who were engaging with me in good faith, but who disagreed. And I probably responded to like maybe 200 and I don't know, 70 people or maybe a little bit more. <laughs> and one of the one of the discussions that I had was from one guy who had sent me a message that was threatening and who a day and a half later sent me another message saying uh, that he needed to talk to me. And and I, I didn't respond because I'm getting a lot of that too. Like, what's your phone number? Let's talk. It's like, uh, okay. And then he followed up with a third message and said, I need you to delete that because I'm afraid for my career that if that gets out, I will never get a job. I'm just a kid. I made a stupid mistake. And I responded to him and I said, uh, I'm not deleting it, but I'm not going to share it. 
why did you send that to me? And he said that he saw that there was this girl who was saying that these people deserve to die because they're white. And when he finally decided to go and investigate, which was after he sent me this message, he realized what I had actually said. So the manipulation that's going on here is so sophisticated and it's coming at people from all sides. It's coming at people, you know, you've mentioned Reddit, it's on 4chan, it's coming at people from Ontario Proud, from all of these like viral conservative groups that are just trying to get people pissed so that they ignore what the actual issues of the day might be or they can get more eyeballs on their page or they can get more likes or they can make my life hell right there's a whole bunch of reasons to maybe engage in this campaign and the after fact of it is is simply to just to just what to to use a tragedy to ruin someone to ruin someone it it's like I have people sending me pictures of every one of the victims to reply to my tweets it's like the families want that are you fucked like I'm not looking at this stuff. So you're just sending it and putting it out into the void. Why would you do that? That's the, 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 the rage, the anger, the hatred for women and all of this is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, of course not unbelievable because it's what we, what we exist in. But it's like, this is why racism is so pernicious in Canada. It's why sexism, sexism is so pernicious in Canada because People are already, white people are already uncomfortable talking about this stuff at the best of times. And so at the worst of times, it's easy to whip up into a, into a controversy. Mm -hmm. Now, another piece of this that I think is important to just think about is what it's like to be a black person, a black organizer, an indigenous person, an indigenous organizer, someone who may have been organizing on, on migrant issues, who sees all of this, okay? So from the very beginning, you know, I likened it to on a comment on your page and a comment I put on my page as well, to how I felt when the kids of Parkland started getting so much support and of course, you know, they had been through this school shooting mm -hmm. and it was so tragic. And of course, they should get that support, of course. And it was the thing that like really made me sad, I think, was when uh, Oprah had tweeted like, you know, I'm 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 matching some donation or something like that. There was some sort of donation that she was providing um, to these kids who were organizing against uh, uh, who were organizing for change to gun laws. And I felt so sad because during, you know, some of the heights of the of the Black Lives Matter movement, Oprah had said that the Black Lives Matter movement wasn't organized enough, that uh, we had no leader. She wished that we were doing better or something like that. And she basically denounced the type of work that was happening is not good enough and didn't do anything to support black youth who'd been organizing as so many people hadn't done a lot to support black youth um you know we had to work tooth and nail to get people to care to get people to donate to get people to pay attention um to the issues that have always been happening in our communities and um you know this moment that's happening right now in our communities is as a result of years and years and years of hard work organizing planning and so on sacrifice 
sacrifice, so much sacrifice. And to see another tragedy happen that also makes us sad and to see how willing people are to support that tragedy, it makes you feel, it's just like, oh, oh, okay. So there is the capacity for people to support tragedy and grief. It's just that mine isn't as important to support doesn't matter as much like I don't know it it is uh, like I, I know that there are many people who are listening who probably haven't experienced this before but it's devastating it's really devastating and it's not devastating because we don't want the Parkland kids uh, the the victims of this the, the families of the victims of this tragedy in Humboldt to receive this support that's not what we're saying it's just you know, when you've been doing this work and trying to even get, you know, media attention, like, hey, media, you should probably report on this terrible thing that's happening and has been happening for years and we can prove through so many things. And it takes years and years and years and years and years for people to even pay attention. And maybe if you're lucky under the right circumstances, if you sleep outside for two weeks, if you shut down a highway, if you, you know, have to drop out of school because of all the organizing work that you're doing to try to make sure that the family has money to, to, to be able to have a funeral. Like it's, it is, it's hard to watch. It's hard to, you know, there's a significant realization of like where you are in society when you can see like a GoFundMe that was, I think the original ask was ten thousand dollars. I'm not mm-hmm. sure gets up to over over ten million dollars, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, well, we we were national news actually, and people did know about this stuff. And oh, okay, yeah, no, this uh, confirms what I already know. It's it's actually devastating. We turn to each other in these times to console one another, to tell each other, you know, like it's okay, like this is hard. We're, you know, we're just going to keep fighting. Like I'm not I'm not like making this up. This is something that we do that, you know, black community certainly does. I would hazard a guess that other communities do. I saw mm-hmm. someone who is an who is indigenous who posted something like this that we turn to each other again like when we when this type of stuff is happening to console one another because it's an implicit um, you know message is sent to us that okay you just didn't matter as much when you were were doing this it has nothing to do with wanting less for other people it's just a realization of where you are in the hierarchy of grief and it's devastating and those people who are going through that devastation actually do deserve comfort and they do deserve support during that time because it is happening for them during that time too when there's grief that happens in your community, let's think about this on an individual level. If there's grief, you know, if a friend of yours is experiencing some sort of grief, you might be reminded of grief that you've been through that might happen to you. You might remember that. Well, it's no different on this grand scale. When this type of grief is happening to a community, another community may be remembering their grief and might be remembering that, oh my God, you know, Canada barely remembered a massacre that happened in Quebec City against Muslim people just a year ago. Mm-hmm. Folks had, had been organizing funds to be delivered to the families uh, who were 
to the to the victims' families in that case who didn't get a fraction of what the the families of victims in Humboldt got. And I, you know, like again, it is wonderful that that outpouring of grief was met with support, financial support and resources. But it is it's devastating that that's mm-hmm. not replicated for everyone. It is. And it's not weird. It's very very normal. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I I just a final note on this. There were several articles that were written in the United States um, about the differential response to the Parkland tragedy and uh, Black Lives Matter. Uh, one that was written by one of uh, my, my colleagues, uh, Jenea Khan. And the response, you know, and I don't know if this is like an American society thing, like I'm not sure or versus Canada. That's something that we, we should think about maybe at, at, in another podcast. I don't know. But the response wasn't like this, like like a refusal to investigate. Um, and in particular, the response from the Parkland kids was, you know, mm. exactly what a response from this sh- kind of should be. It was like, oh, yeah, you're right. If we look at this, it's true. It's obvious. You're not saying anything that's false or weird. We can see it. It's right in front of us. And so here are the things we're going to do to try to change that, but also to try to use the platform that we have to provide weight, visibility to the issues that you folks have been talking about for so long, which, again, is something that one of the the victims' mothers of the Humboldt tragedy said that she wanted to do as well. It's not strange what Nora said at all. We're going to take a quick break because there's so much to say here. But thank you for listening to part one of the Sandy and Nora podcast this week. And we'll be back soon with the conclusion of this week's show.